it's a real privilege and joy to um, be with you this morning, and and it's my honour to to bring the word to you. I'm I'm in close contact with you guys and hearing a lot about what is going on at the Rock, and I'm really thrilled. Andrew and I are really thrilled about what is happening and uh, the exciting developments, and we're believing for great things for you uh, as time moves on, as COVID begins to uh, relax, if you were, and uh, I, I see a, sign, a, a time soon where you, you're just gonna be in your own place. And won't that be great? Instead of meeting on Zoom, um, meet face-to-face. -face. And, uh, you know, can you believe in, in not too long now, we're gonna be hugging one another. What's that look like? And uh, that's just gonna be amazing to, to be able to do that. Well, no, seriously, we stay in touch with uh, Arvel and Anne and we stay in touch with Angus and Lucy and obviously our kids. And it's great to hear the numbers growing. It's great to hear the presence of God online. It's great to hear people are being born again. Isn't that amazing? You know, in all this crisis, in all this horribleness, God's still doing amazing things. And people are getting born again online who never would have gone into a church. And I think that's amazing that, that God, even in this circumstance and even in this situation, will bring about his purposes. And I, I really believe that, that instead of it looking at the glass half empty, let's look at it half full and let's believe that God is still going to do amazing things in the time that we have. I want us to turn to uh, the word of God this morning and um, I want us to look at uh, a text in Deuteronomy. Uh, it's Deuteronomy 33, uh, and I'm re re just reading two verses, 26 and 27. I'm actually going to read it out of the Amplified Version um, this morning. Father, I just let's just pray. I know we've been praying to it. Father, I just pray that you would take these words, and Lord, you would add your anointing. Lord, you would get rid of all my waffle and rubbish that the people don't want to hear purify it down to the word of God and what your voice wants to make very plain this morning. I pray that, Lord, you're speaking to hearts. I pray that, Lord, we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. Right, verse 26 says, There is none like the God of Jeshurun, Israel, who rides the heavens to your help and through the skies in his majestic glory. The eternal God is your refuge and dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He drove out the enemy from before you and said, destroy. Now, I'm going to try and be uh, disciplined, if I can, to keep to time. This is really weird. Although I'm used to speaking and preaching, if you like, midweek, uh, it's still weird because you're totally muted. So normally I'm getting abuse from other people online. So um, you probably have to gesticulate at me or point fingers or, or something horrible like that if you want to, or just walk out of the room. I have people on the midweek, you know, they just walk out. <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever. Um, in this passage, um, Moses refers to Israel uh, with a kind of a pet name. It's um, Jeshurun. Uh, the meaning of Jeshurun, in case you didn't know, means upright one. Uh, this was Israel's ideal character trait. Uh, and it says, God will ride 
through the heavens to help them, Israel, and us. Don't forget, it's us as well when we're in trouble. Scripture clearly shows uh, all of us, not just Israel, are his favourites. And that's important to know this morning as a child of God, you're a favourite of his. It says in John 1, 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What a promise that is. And here's um, uh, something great from Psalm 17, 8. It says, keep me as the apple of your eye. Keep me as the apple of the eye. This comes from the Hebrew expression that means little man of the eye. And it refers to the tiny reflection of yourself that you can see in other people's pupils. To be in the apple of someone's eye clearly means that you are being gazed upon and closely watched by that person. David meant keep an eye on me and don't lose sight of me. And that's what God does. He keeps his eye on you and he doesn't lose sight of you. He was confident that God will watch him like this and he watches over you and me too. It says in the text there, the eternal God is your refuge. What a promise that is. The Hebrew for that is Miona, which is probably pronounced nothing like that, but it's a black country version, so there you go. Um, the, NI, the NIV and the KGV, KGV uh, call, translate that to word refuge, denoting a place of retreat in time of danger. And the ESV says dwelling place, the Amplified, bless it, says both, <laughs> just to get, no, no, nothing wrong there. And God is our refuge. God is a place where we can recover. God is a place of peace. And God offers us a place of safety. Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. You know, it's a great scripture, but we need to be reminded that in order to get to that tower, we need the effort to get there. We need to say, I'm going to run there. I'm not going to stand still and take this. I'm going to run to the Lord. I'm going to run to that tower of strength, that place of refuge. And we need a conscious decision to do it. The eternal God is your dwelling place. There's some great promises here. Isn't it amazing that to think that the almighty God who created heaven and earth and all things, who holds everything in place by his word, wants us, you and me, to dwell with him. Well, he might want you, I'm not so sure about me, but, but he does. That's what the word of God says. He wants us to dwell with him. You and I can dwell with the living God, almighty God himself. We can make our life with him. We can become Intricately, intricately connected by his Holy Spirit, linking our spirit with his. And I want to say that God wants us to live within his presence always, not an occasional visit to the in-laws. You know, it's the when you feel you must do it or it's out of duty to make peace or to show willing. 
God wants us to be in his presence all the time. He wants to dwell with us all the time. In the Old Testament, we read that the high priest was the, was the only one who could come before the Lord. And that was once a year. And there's a tradition that the high priest of Israel would enter the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle of the temple with a rope tied to his foot and bells around his waist. Tradition said that when the high priest went into the Holy Holies on Yom Kippur during the last couple of centuries of the temple, a scarlet rope was tied to his foot. A priest in the holy place tended the other end of the rope, which had a purpose. If the high priest sins were not atoned for properly, he would die in the presence of the Shekinah, the glory of God that filled the Holy of Holies. Since nobody else could enter that part of the temple without also dying, the priest felt they needed a way to retrieve the body of the high priest if necessary. That was the purpose of the rope, to pull the body out. Don't suppose Arvel's had to do that in his job. He uses his hands. He doesn't pull anybody out of the house with a rope, but you never know. You have to ask him later. The bells jingling would be the sign that the priest had fallen to the ground dead. Thank God that we don't have to do that because Jesus made a way where there was no way. He tore that curtain from top to bottom so that we could enter into God's presence not on a once in a year time, but on a daily presence and without fear. And God wants us to share our lives with him, not as a last resort. You know, if we spend time with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, there are benefits that we can glean. We can glean his wisdom. We can glean encouragement, his protection, his love, and so much more. You can also share your joys and your frustrations too. One writer puts it like this. The father has a secret place for each of us that he desires to dwell with us. Since neither time nor space restricts God's presence, the presence-filled secret place that he has for us is accessible anytime, anywhere. It's a place where we can spend quality time with him, even in the midst of the frenzied world around us we just have to live learn how to live there another writer says when the lord is our dwelling place in the midst of everyday life we can tap into his divine power which gives us everything that we need for life and godliness you can read about that in 2 peter 1 3 i want us to touch on verse 27 the eternal God. We live in the now, but God was before now and the future. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. He is eternal, everlasting, timeless, and forever. He is the I am who I am. James 14, 4.14 says, for you are a mist that appears for a little, little time and then vanishes. Folks, we need to make our lives count today. We spend so much time putting things off. If I can't do it today, I'll do it tomorrow. Manana is our middle name, if we're honest, for a lot of us, me included. We need to make a commitment with the Lord. I will try 
and to sort things out today. Whatever that is. I really felt when I was putting this down, this was a, a real word from the Lord for somebody today. The issues that you have, that you've been putting off, whether it's a restoration in a relationship, whether it's forgiveness, whether it's seen or either by contact, phone, video or whatever, or in the garden or outside now, you need to make contact. You've been putting it off. You've been putting off issues that you need to sort out. And I really feel the Holy Spirit is really burning in somebody's heart today. And the Lord says, do it today. Don't put it off any longer. Sort it out. I had a big problem with my father, which went on for years. And yet when I committed my way to the Lord and got over my stupid pride, the Lord sorted it in two days after being away from him for two years. But only when I decided in my heart, I don't care what has been said, I will put myself before the Lord and let the Lord sort it. And I never thought it could be sorted in the natural. It was just as if the problem never was there. I still don't understand it to this day, but God knew. Folks, be encouraged and sort it out if you can today. And our problems can be overwhelming and seem to go on forever, you know, with this virus and everything. But God can heal. He can, as we, Anne was praying earlier, and take you through it. As many of us can testify, you know, sometimes the stuff doesn't go away, but God is with us just as, you know, in the midst of the fire with the three. He was there. They had to go through, but he was with them through it. And God is never going to leave you or forsake you. He's going to take you through it. And yet for some of us, the problems remain. And we ask, why? What is going on? I don't know. 2 Corinthians 18, 12, 8, 8 and 9 says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. And I was reminded that when we put the perspective of, of time into eternity, as we read in James, it's just a fleeting moment. We're just here for just a breath comparatively to eternity. There is so much more to life on here, on earth right now. There's so much more in eternity to come. But if you wanted me to concentrate on anything that I feel is for the rock today, it's this. Underneath are the everlasting arms. That's the real essence. If I want you to take away anything today, a bit like Claire was prophesying earlier, the hands around his face, a bit bigger than that, Claire. His hands are underneath us. His arms are right underneath us, including your face. But it's a great word. Be encouraged with that. And thank you for sharing that. That sort of helped me this morning. So what lies beneath? Sounds like the title of a film, What Lies Beneath. But it's not. I'm not talking about that today. You know, many people, including Christians, 
from time to time, put their trust in other things than God. And they only run to God when these things fail. Instead, we can put our trust in our job, our position, security, status, confidence, and all that a job might give to you. Put our trust in that. We put our trust in our wealth. For those of you who've got wealth and savings, I'm sure you're all very rich up there in Stratford. We're just poor people down here in Cornwall. We got no money at all. We're just poor fishermen. Um, wealth and savings, fitness and well-being. You know, down here, they're crazy. They're, they, they go swimming in freezing cold waters, including our daughter, India. They go out religiously in the water. India says to us, are you going to come swimming? We go, no. <laughs> but uh, apparently it's good for your health, but um, I'll bless them anyway. Our friends, we put our trust in our friends. We put our trust in our family. And you know what? These are all good things in themselves, but they won't always be good enough in the time of trial. And God wants you to run to him first and not as an afterthought. Underneath are the everlasting arms. You can't see them. And yet God, I know you're doing a series on faith, and this is a message on faith for you today. God asks you to trust that the hands, the arms that you can't see are really there because they are. You know, these arms can be tender to hold and to carry. They can be supportive arms that you can lean on. They can be open arms to welcome and embrace like that prodigal. And I'm praying for prodigals to come back to you who once ran well are out in the pig troughs at the moment, but God will call them by his spirit and return them to you. They can be strong arms to catch us when we fall. You know, here in this passage, it refers to strong arms like wielding a sword or holding a shield in battle. These are tough arms today we're talking about. You know, many times we read about how God delivered the people in the Old Testament by his mighty hand and his outstretched arm. This symbolizes strength and deliverance. And the context of this passage is protection and deliverance. Protection and deliverance. You know, God equips us. But sometimes we can get, if we're honest, a little bit or a lot out of our depth. Anybody in the house witness to that? I feel a bit out of my depth today. <laughs> oh, boy. And suddenly, this is when the arms emerge from underneath. I'm sort of a creative guy, I suppose. It's almost like Jason and the Argonauts. And these thumping great arms come from under the sea and pick you up when you've fallen overboard to fight on our behalf. The common colloquial expression is, he's got your back, totally fits here. And this reminds me, I want to sort of deviate a little if that's okay. 
This reminds me of a tightrope walker. And when I think of things beneath me, one of the things I think about is a safety net to catch me, just like a tightrope walker. And you know, being without God and living your life without God is like walking a tightrope without a net. One man who springs to mind, who I've quoted before, I think in the past, was a, a French uh, circus performer called Blondin, who lived in the 1800s, 1824 to 97. He was famous for crossing the Niagara uh, Falls on a three inch wide cable suspended 160 feet above the water. You know, Blondin did this successfully many times, including, get this, and I'd encourage you to try, being blindfolded, not really, that was a joke, being blindfolded in a sack with a wheelbarrow on stilts, <laughs> carrying a man on his back, cooking an omelette halfway and eating it. <laughs> you got a table out and cooked an omelette like you do. But the thing is, any, it's making me hungry, bacon, where's the bacon? Any high tightrope walker will use an aid usually to help them falling off. And we all know that's, that's a pole. And they, whoa, they hold this pole, don't they? Um, and it's usually weighted at both ends. And God, I think, gave me a picture about this. You know, when you need to balance, I'm talking to the old generation now. Apparently, if you want to stay uh, particularly healthy in your head, the thing to do every day, seniors, and I count myself as a sort of a senior, if you like, maybe, depends what day it is, um, you're supposed to balance on your foot and shut your eyes. And then balance on your other foot and shut your eyes. And the longer you can hold the balance with one foot helps put off dementia. So I'll be hearing reports how you're all up at night, balancing on one foot and falling down the stairs. I hope not. But um, the thing is, when you try to balance with your arms, you put out your arms, don't you, to, to, to get the balance. And you know what? There's Not that I'm a, a physics expert, far from it, but the physics in this changes the dynamic to lower your center of gravity. By using a pole with weights, whoa, either end, um, the center of gravity becomes lower still. And this is interesting from the spirit because I got something out of this. The physics involved of this drives the center of gravity down and makes your feet sure-footed. Just bear that in mind, makes your feet sure footed did you know when when they're actually walking on the tightrope the cable rotates <laughs> so it doesn't even stay still it rotates as you walk around over it and jesus calls us in matthew 7 14 straight is the gate and narrow is the way i was going to talk upon that earlier but i've decided to drop it the reason is I think I might waffle. I really want to have some pregnant pauses today in the spirit and you'll understand why. But I just wanted to focus on the, the word of God says. The world calls us to walk on a wide path, but Jesus calls us to walk on a narrow path. And your life path 
is that cable. And to assist you, just, just help with this picture. You're carrying a pole, but the weights on either end of the pole have been substituted with, on this hand, God's goodness, and this hand, God's mercy. It says Psalm 23, 6 says, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell, there's that word again, in the house of the Lord forever. So on the one hand of the pole, we talked about goodness. And when I think about goodness, God's goodness, God provides and gives us far more than we can ever imagine or think. God is goodness itself. The word says only God is good. God is kind and pure and holy. And God shows me a better way. God is my healer. God is my confidant, my counsellor and my friend. God is loyal to me. He will never leave me or forsake me or badmouth me or put me down or gossip about me. God understands me completely and you, the good, the bad, and yes, the ugly. And on the other end of the pole, when I think of God's mercy, God puts up with me. <laughs> That's a lot. He put up, puts up with you and me. He forgives all the wrongs I've ever done, both in thought or by action. He, he even forgives me when I refuse to do what I thought I should have done. Ever been there? Probably today or yesterday. God is long-suffering towards me. It's a bit like Andrea, long-suffering towards me, <laughs> 39 years of counting. His love never changes towards me. God gives to me even when I don't deserve it. And God digs me out of deep trouble, sticky, deep positions of no hope. The Bible calls it a miry pit. And he puts me on solid ground. The rock, here we are, your church, that won't shake or crumble. And I pray that over you, that your church, God's church, the rock will never shake and will never crumble. God never judges me or condemns me. God says, come to me when others tell me to clear off. It just reminds me when I think of these things, God will help my life when I think about his mercy, when I think about his goodness, when I'm trying my best to walk that narrow path. Woohoo! You know, gets a bit like this. I need discipline. But I'm reminded in Psalm 37, 23, which is a favourite of mine, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. My steps are never going to go out of place. I'm never going to trip. I'm never going to stumble if I follow the steps that God has given to me. It's only when I decide to take my own path that I mess up. 
but I know that I need discipline and to be able to concentrate on looking forward. It's the tightrope walker's analogy. I need to look forward, keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus and listen for the voice to say, come now, come now or wait, wait there, just wait. I don't need to look down, which is scary. Can you imagine walking over the Niagara Falls? <laughs> That'd be scary. I don't need to look backwards. I don't need to look to the left or to the right, but I do need to learn to hear his voice and ignore all the other voices that could cause me to slip. I'm nearly done, but I want to just, I've got a message, Arvel, and for the church, for the rock. And it's in this, in verse 27. Uh, he drove out the enemy from before you. One commentator says, he will expel all the ancient inhabitants and put thee in possession of their land. And when I was praying this through, I believe the Lord gave me a distinct message for you guys there at the rock. And it's this. The Lord is going to be like an icebreaker going through an impenetrable force in front of you. God is going ahead of you to make a way, to make inroads which in the natural seem impossible. All you need to do is to look for him, stay close to him. The word very strongly was took in right behind him. Remember those pictures of the army, the Roman forces, hiding behind the shields as they advanced? That's the picture of staying behind the shield of faith as the Lord advances. You took in behind him. And as you follow him and follow his lead, the Lord will take you into new territories. He will give you victories in battles you never thought you could win. He will give you territories that have been others for such a long time. He will give you areas where people said, you'll never get it there. You'll never win there. But God is going to break through. And because it's God and not man, I have faith to believe it's going to happen. If it was down to bless you, I love you guys. If it was down to you guys to do it, I'd say, well, good luck with that. But as the Lord does it, as the Lord does it, you will make breakthroughs in areas that you thought were impossible. I want to sum up. The Lord wants you to have an amazing life with our eternal God. John 10.10 10 says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Some translations will say an abundant life. But I like that one in the New Living Translation. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. He wants you to enjoy a daily life in the dwelling place of the Lord God Almighty. He wants you to know that you should feel secure. He wants to remind you 
and realize, and you need to realize that whenever it's needed, his eternal everlasting arms will fight for you and give you a mighty victory. Don't forget, just like Jeshurun, you are God's favorite child.